0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is David McGuire. And I am Eric Brickmont. And I am Brian Moriarty. We're sorry to interrupt your podcast this evening, but we've come to you with a very important message. Are you tired of hearing the squeaking of our chairs?
1: Are you tired of hearing a distant echo in the background? Are you tired of hearing my lips smack the moment before I talk?
0: I know I am, but you know how we can fix that? We need help from you. You see, Rome was not built in a day. It was built over many months, and also with lots of money. And lots of marble. We don't actually need the marble. No, we don't need it. It'd be nice, but... Okay, let's just stick to things that we actually need. Okay, sorry. Okay, Uh, thank you. Anyways, if you feel like you want to help us with our squeaking chairs, or massive echo, and Brian's incessant lip-smacking, please go to www.nerdonomy.com. Click on Donate, where your money will go to helping our Nerd Cave thrive, and helping Brian get over his speech impediment.
1: And to go to our need for lots and lots of Hot Pockets. We must have the Hot Pockets.
2: You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, Sarah Ashley, and Kevin Satorius. Welcome to Nerds on Film, everybody. I'm Sean Moriarty, Nerdonomy editor and occasional guest host. We're about to get into part two of the Mobro Bro Soups show, where Brian and I finish talking about Superman at length. But before that, we're going to have another Nerds on the Street segment. Brian, Eric, Sarah, Kevin, and Dave were all at the premiere of Man of Steel on Friday at midnight. They got a chance to interview people before and after, so sit back and enjoy.
1: Welcome to another episode of Nerds on the Street, folks. This is Brian Moriarty. We are live in the theater, an hour and a half to the 1201 showing of Man of Steel... I'm super excited right now, Eric. How are you feeling?
3: Uh, I, too, am very excited, although you've left out the other key important thing that will happen in approximately an hour and a
1: half. Oh, of course. That's right. So, in an hour and a half, it also is Mr. Brickmont's birthday.
3: In Vulcan years, I am 128.
1: <laughs> Kevin, can you do the Kermit the Frog?
4: Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be Eric Brickmont's birthday! Yay! I have no clue.
1: There you have it. Now I do think this is kind of funny because when we went and saw *Star Trek Into Darkness*, you were dressed as Commander Riker, and tonight I'm actually in a Superman, somewhat Superman costume, and you are not.
3: It's true. You are distinctly Supermanish. Uh, it's not the muscle suit, but it's close. It's very close. Your, your natural muscular-like physique is seeping through.
1: Eric, I never knew you thought of me that way. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I don't. Um, that, was me, that was me being nice.
1: Fucking thanks. <laughs> really appreciate that. Uh, to my left here is an, are my Nerds on Film co-host, Mr. Kevin su su, su- I am,
4: I am, Sutorious. Thank you very much. Sir, how are you feeling tonight? Um, apart from slight stomach pain, I am very, very, very excited. I even went to Hot Topic and bought the Man of Steel t-shirt just for this occasion. That is awesome.
1: Now, my shirt is homemade, kind of, from an old embroidered Superman logo and a nice tight-fitting long blue shirt. Yeah, we'll post pictures of it. Let me ask you this. Kevin was unique in that he got to see the 7 p.m. showing of Man of Steel. Now, spoiler free, folks, please. Kevin, now that you're going to see this in 3D,
4: what what is your mindset right now? This is the type of movie that they would not shortchange the post-conversion 3D since it wasn't shot that way. So I'm very excited uh, to see how Weta Digital, uh, who did the visual effects for the movie, is going to play around with Superman flying and beating people up and things getting destroyed. I'm very much so looking forward to seeing that in another dimension. Awesome. Now, for me, I gotta
1: say, favorite on-screen Superman is Christopher Reeve. I'm very open to Henry Cavill, but I'm very curious. Who is your favorite Superman?
4: Um, I am, I'm in the minority here. Uh, Brandon Routh. I really like Superman Returns. I thought he was an excellent uh, Clark Kent and a very good Superman.
1: You know, I don't disagree with you. He's not my favorite because I think Reeve was, he set the template and Routh was playing off the template, but he did a very honorable job in the process. All right. You'll be hearing us interview numerous audience members.
3: I would just like to say that my favorite Superman, of course, is Khan Noonien Singh.
1: Uh, of course, that is a <laughs>
3: genetically engineered Superman from Star Trek universe, but I just had to throw it out there.
1: Just because it's your birthday doesn't mean you would be a jackass. Oh Wait, it doesn't? Nope. Pretty sure it does. Nope. Yes, it is. Nerds in the Street would not be complete without the other film nerds, so... Sarah Ashley, say what's up.
5: Sup, sluts?
0: David McGuire. Hi. How are ya? <laughs> Are you, are, are you comfortable? <laughs> I hope so. I am except my hemorrhoids. They're flaring up.
1: So apparently David became a Family Guy character (laughs) for tonight.
0: Oh my god, is this... What you're missing out right now is that we're watching shadow puppets and I think...
5: Oh, I'm up the head! People are legitimately doing shadow puppets with their, uh, camera phones.
1: That's a bit ridiculous. So, okay. We have
5: to entertain Guys,
1: I want to get a pulse from the nerds before we start interviewing regular audience members. What is in your mindset right now?
0: I am very nervous. Why? (laughs) I have felt, uh, a little cheated this summer, I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed, this is ridiculous, I, I enjoyed Star Trek, I enjoyed the shit out of Fast, Fast and the Furious, but I just felt like a lot of the big, epic summer blockbusters, I never walked away thinking like, oh my god, like that was a great movie, or, or you know, I feel somewhat different, why we're laughing is because the shadow of Puppet turned into a man that was literally licking everybody on this, in the theater. Um, but I just feel like there's a lot of hype of this movie, and I'm hoping that it lives up to that. I mean, based upon what I've seen in the trailers, it's supposed to be a very epic and very character-driven movie. I hope it stays that way. I hope I don't feel like I walk out of the theater going, like, I feel like we got cheated or I feel like they didn't go as far as they should have gone or that they held back or held their punches. Um, I trust Nolan, and I hope that he provides us a good movie. I'm sure it's going to be a great action movie. I just hope that it's not a forgettable action movie. I can understand that.
1: I felt a little disappointed by some of the uh, earlier summer movies as well. Iron Man 3. <laughs> like Iron Man 3. I'm, I'm trying to go into this with as few expectations as possible, because I feel like a lot of Superman fans have been cockblocked. Maybe is the the word I'm going to use because they've been waiting for a really, really good Superman movie and a lot of people were disappointed by Superman Returns. I personally was not, but... it was
0: the best nap I ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like Superman... I feel like we haven't seen a good Superman movie since Reeves. And I even think then, like, we can top that. No offense to Reeves. I mean, he did a great job. But I feel like now we're in an era where, like, Superman hero like, superheroes can be... No longer just just the gimmick; that can be something with character. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this is what I think that's what um, Singer tried to do last time, but it just it just it fell short because it was too much of an homage. Here I hope Snyder takes this and actually does something with it.
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, one of our friends is now doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> We are witnessing Shadow Puppet Theater, folks, at its finest. One of our friends, Richard, has just mimicked being <laughs> destroyed by a giant shadow hand. And that was quite brilliant. Alright, so, Sarah, what's going through your head right now?
5: Um, I, like you, I was trying to stay as indifferent as possible, so aside from the, like, first major trailer, I haven't really been following anything Superman, Man of Steel related. Because I've been trying to avoid it like the plague. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Want, I don't want anything tarnished. Um, you know, David told me what some of the early reviews were. You know, what the Rotten Tomato um, tomato meter is for right now. And I was just thermometer. Tomometer, Whatever. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, basically, I was kind of like, you know, covering my ears, just la la la. I don't like. Don't tell me anything, because I don't want to know. I want to go into this completely fresh and and just experience it for what it is. I do like the idea that it is going to be darker. You know, clearly the gritty route is the way to go, and that's totally fine, and I love Amy Adams, and I'm hoping she does a fantastic performance, so.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to be optimistic, too, because I think with the previous Superman movie, DC hadn't had as much control mm-hmm. over the project, and now that DC is now its own entertainment wing, that Warner Brothers is pretty much just a distributor at this point. Yes and they were, had a lot more control over the story and the content and they got David S. Goyer, who has a background as both a, a comic book writer and a superhero movie writer. To work with the story with Christopher Nolan on it, I think is going to be really interesting and I think we're going to see stuff that we haven't seen in movies before but we've definitely seen in comics and that I'm really excited for.
0: So what you're saying is that Superman's not going to do things that he's never done before with us? What? Sarah gets it, that's...
5: I'm not even sure if that was a logical statement. It was a logical statement. <laughs> okay. Since <laughs> he's
0: going to do dirty things that he would never do with anyone else. <laughs> uh, okay.
5: Oh, wait, you didn't realize that this was Man of Steel? Like, this is the porn version? <laughs> You're in the wrong theater, buddy.
0: Yeah, it theater... Damn it! <laughs> yeah, theater 12 is the actual movie.
1: Okay. As I was talking about earlier, we were watching a man do a brilliant pantomime of a shadow of a man being consumed by a giant, like, hand dinosaur, we'll say. I guess. I couldn't really see the shadow from up there. Yeah. But you also joined us for Star Trek Into Darkness. So, uh, for those who may not remember, what's your name, sir? Uh, My name is Richard. Richard, good to see you again.
6: Good to see you, too. How
1: you doing, sir? I'm pretty good. Awesome. So let me tell you this. I, I can tell by the... Inverted Superman shirt that you're wearing. That I know wh- where your feelings are, but so are you coming into this as a Superman fan or more of a movie fan or both?
6: Uh, I would say more of a movie fan. I was a, a Superman was like my favorite movie when I was a kid. Since then, I probably become more of a Batman fan, but yeah, I'm a, uh, a general movie fan and uh, always love the superhero movies. Gotcha. So you're coming more as a movie fan, but you appreciate superhero movies. Absolutely. Out of curiosity, who was your favorite Superman? Oh, that's a very good question. I think Tom Welling, when I get right down to it, because I think he had... Seriously, no, oh, don't look at me like that. Uh, not Brian, someone else is looking at me like I'm crazy. Because um, he got to do the... the. Um, I, I never saw the Superman from the old TV series, uh, uh, George Reve. I never got to see that, and so this was my serialized uh, Superman and um, I think it's more interesting of a character when you see him grow and change over time, and, you know, Tom Welling got to do that, whereas in the movies it's really sort of more of a snapshot. Yeah, it's true. With Superman on film,
1: we've really gotten a chance to really see full development of the character. And I'm looking forward to, I think, seeing some of that. I mean, even just from the trailers, you can tell from k that he's taken a lot of time to develop the mannerisms of him as he's developing into the, the character he means to be.
6: Absolutely. This is a character based in the comic books, and comic books are serialized, and you see characters change over time, and years, lo- year-long arcs where they uh, have something going on, and then, you know, they'll... Retcon something, or change them back, or do something for the fans. But it's it's interesting to see where they take this character, and yet still keep the essence of who they are. And that's what you get to see in a TV show, and you don't really get to see in the movie. So yeah,
1: and it's especially challenging when the character himself is 75 years old. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I hear you there. What is your mindset right now for this?
6: Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm really just looking forward having a good time, uh, hoping that I, I see that. I think Christopher Nolan, as the producer of this one, has uh, done a great job with uh, bringing a, um, a complicated character to life with the Batman movies. And so uh, I think you know it's in good hands, and so we're going to see uh, someone who is going to uh, care about the history of the character the you know all the little things ins and outs uh, throwing some things in for the the comic book fans but also not adhering strictly to the letter of the law and making it a a good overall story for just mass audiences so yeah well you have to keep it flexible absolutely yeah yeah well great well thank
1: you for your thoughts sir would you be willing to give us some insight after the movie absolutely great we will be talking to you later All right. you got it enjoy the show sir every hero must have a nemesis, a nemesis whose capability, his very visage, counteracts that of himself. To my left is a man who, upon his first look, strikes you as one who might be a Lex Luthor, but in fact he is not. He is actually, in fact, a very big Superman fan, and uh, a co-worker of mine, who happened to accompany us on our little adventure into this uh, movie screening. Sir, would you please give your name to our audience?
7: I am Nick. Nick, and how
1: are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing very good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm super excited. Had a little coffee earlier. I was kind of tired. Now I'm, now I'm a little buzzed, in a good way. Not like buzzing. Not but buzzing is probably the better word. Not, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. No. I'm a bit buzzing right now.
7: You, you had the Irish cup coffee, so maybe a little bit of both.
1: Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. First off, I'm going to ask you an off culture question. Are you here as a Superman fan or a movie fan? both okay so curious since you've i know you're a big fan of superman comics what is your favorite superman story arc
7: that's a good one there's quite a few of them out there you have kingdom come by alex ross of course which is an amazing story brilliant Um, yeah um one of the more recent ones well recent ish would be definitely red sun
1: right Um, of course
7: if anyone hasn't read that, read it immediately. The ending will throw any Superman fan for a complete nutter loop. It's interesting that
1: you mentioned both Elseworld stories. What's your favorite storyline? That's in continuity.
7: The Superman Batman stories, ones together on that one, kind of shows a kind of a dynamic between the two of them are really good.
1: Yeah, I really love the Public Enemies one, that, mm-hmm. which was their first story, major story arc in that. but yeah. it was great.
7: Yeah, that was actually one of the better ones out there.
1: And I, mean, I think that was one of Mike Turner's last uh, projects, wasn't it? Yeah. Or, no, or, that, or that, was that his artwork or that was not his artwork?
7: I think it was uh, McGinnis. At oh, M- was, it was at
1: McGinnis, that's right. And Jeff Lobo I think was the guy who wrote it.
7: I mean, you can also go back and go to Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was, a yeah, ma- which was yeah. definitely a major Superman story. And they kind of redid it later on with, I think it was just called Crisis, where they tried to bring it back using Superman from Earth 1 and Superman from Earth 2 and Superboy from Earth Prime is what they called it.
1: Right, the, the... Evil Superboy. Basically, the Earth one from the Crisis universe. Yeah, that was
7: one of the more interesting ones. I'll, I'll be honest, though, the more recent stuff, not that good.
1: Uh, okay. okay. Alright, well, fair enough. And what is your mindset toward this film right now?
7: Well, when I first saw it, I'm, I'm the first to say I wasn't actually the biggest of the Batman-Nolan films just because, well, to me, they were better crime movies than they were Batman movies considering I'm a big fan of Batman stuff in the Myself.
1: Okay. Okay.
7: And I know that's not everyone's opinion on that one, but to me, it was kind of that way. I love uh, Batman Begins, I thought was a great thing. Dark Knight Return, or The Dark Knight, I thought was definitely very good, definitely more Joker centric on that one. Not enough of actual Batman being Batman, and I can go off on a whole series of my own for the third movie.
1: (laughs) Do you feel like no one is going to be doing that same kind of business with The Man of Steel?
7: I think in a producer role, he's probably better off in this one with Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder knows how to do action really, really well. Even I know a lot. A lot of people are fans of his stuff. But you got to even when you look back on it, yeah, Three Hundred was an awesome action movie. Watchmen, for as many flaws as it had, have was overly long. Was done so faithfully, almost frame by frame. And yes, the ending was changed on there. But honestly, I'm mind squid I don't think would do much for the public out there. Right, so you can tell that
1: he at least has respect for the the medium and for the the source material.
7: Oh yeah, complete and utter respect for it. And I I think, as a director, he can show the action we've never really seen in a Superman movie before.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how he's made his career with primarily graphic novel adaptations, because his first big break was 300. He did Watchmen. He did Sucker
7: Punch, which wasn't really, was it a comic book? No, that was his own creation thing. Actually, but it felt very comic book like. Was the first thing that really broke him out was actually the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, good point. That's the one that got him, and then of course they gave him three hundred, and three hundred kind of just shot him up higher than. Good point. So
1: maybe maybe genre films is a better thing to say. Genre
7: films definitely, yeah, because Sucker Punch had its flaws and could have been trimmed to a different, better movie. Wasn't bad, but it could have been a lot better.
1: Sure, I think the sheer fantastical imagery, though, showed that he was ready for something like this.
7: Oh yeah, visually stunning movie. The story could have been a lot better in that one, but so I was hoping for Superman and someone finally get something you can kind of take on to, while hopefully making it his own, because if they change certain things with the Superman mythos, that's not a big thing. People have changed it a lot in the past.
1: Alright, fair enough, fair enough. Well, thank you very much for your thoughts, sir. Would you be interested in giving us some insight after the film is over? Yeah, of course. Cool, now I'll be talking to you later, alright? Enjoy your show, sir. I am joined by one of my oldest friends We've, we, how, how long do we, have we, do we go back?
8: Let's see now, we would have been 13 years old when we met So that makes it, what, 200 years ago? <laughs> I think we would have been 14 when we met So I'm guessing... The freshman year I was 13 are you... Were you Seriously? Yeah
1: Okay, so 15 years almost Yeah That's going crazy back, yeah. Dan, how are you, sir?
8: I'm good you... I took a nap for this midnight showing So I'm feeling, I'm feeling alright
1: You know you're getting into your late 30s When you realize you have to take a nap Before going to a midnight movie
8: well, when when one has to work tomorrow, one one makes uh, uh smart adjustments. Choices, yes. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So, for the world to know, are you coming into, into this as a Superman fan or a movie fan?
8: A movie fan.
1: Okay. What was your perception of the last Superman movie?
8: You know, it's one of those that I heard such horrible things about it. I never saw it. Really? Yep.
1: Okay, so then which of the Superman films is your favorite?
8: Uh, you know, I I haven't seen the Superman film since I was a little kid. I really don't remember um I really don't remember him too well. Uh, just the the, the Superman, uh, you know, animated series and stuff, and uh, um, you know, the Superman kind of just general culture is, is the only thing I really uh, know and appreciate. Gotcha. So you're coming into this almost with fresh eyes. Pretty much, yeah.
1: Cool. Very cool. All right. Fair enough. Would you say that the animated series was was a, was a favorite of yours? It was of what you remember?
8: It was definitely something that was on my my general rotation on the uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what would you say, then,
1: are your expectations of this coming in?
8: The previews made it seem like this is going to be a movie to appeal to not just Superman fans, but just people who appreciate good cinema in general. Um, you know, they, they had this imagery of uh, of Superman is kind of more relatable, I think, than some of the other Superman uh, adaptations up to this point. You know, somebody who's, you know, definitely the human element kind of being... Um, emphasize. So, i'm uh, looking forward to seeing that and the, the emotion and, and kind of the personal side of it.
1: Yeah, a far more human version of Superman. Yeah, I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. Great. Anything else you'd like to share, sir? Uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good show. <laughs> I know you're probably going to have to head out of here because of work in the morning, but would you like us to get your insights after the movie? Sure. Cool. Great. Well, we'll be talking to you soon then. All right. Excellent. All right. Cool. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the show. All right. We are joined by uh, a fellow comic books nerd here. And sir, would you state your name for our audience? Hi, I'm Young. Young, how are you doing tonight, sir? Pretty good. Good. Did you get plenty of sleep for tonight?
9: Nope, that's what the coke is for right now.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so are you coming into this as a Superman fan or a movie fan? Comics fan. As a comics fan. Ooh, that's a good answer. We haven't gotten it yet yeah. tonight. So who's your favorite comic book character this far?
9: This far? It's got to be Green Lantern R Iron Man. I can't really decide. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: What was your opinion of the last Superman movie? Terrible. Superman versus an island? Okay, fair enough. That being said, then, if you didn't care for the last one, uh, what was your favorite version of Superman?
9: Um, Strangely enough, it was probably the Christopher Reeve uh, Superman versus uh, whatever, the nuclear man, the atomic man. I
1: nuclear know. man, really? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I, I think you're the first person I know who actually preferred that movie.
9: Yeah, <laughs> you, ha- you had the, because when you watch it younger you get this rose-colored lenses about how good the movie actually is so like I saw Phantom Menace when I was young so I have this version of Star Wars in my head where it's all the new Star Wars not the old Star Wars. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Like everything's better when you're younger so gotcha. it stays with you. It, it, it's better.
1: No, I, I hear you. How old were you when uh, you saw Quest for Peace? Uh, Superman Four. How um, old were you when you saw Superman Four? Uh, um, eight, nine. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough.
9: Cool. You know what scene stuck in my head? It's that the one where Superman's hair is hanging, and they're they is showing how much structural integrity Superman's hair has, and there's the weight hanging on it. Yeah. That was the one they stole to make, uh... Nuclear Man. Right.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. Uh,
9: <laughs> that, I'm sure this opinion is not shared by anyone out there in the world that... That's,
1: no, that's cool, though. We want to get all opinions. Uh-huh. We wanna get all sides of it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Being that you're not a big Superman fan, mm-hmm. but you're more of a comic book fan, uh, what would you say is, is your expectation going into this tonight?
9: It's actually pretty high right now. You get hyped. You get sucked into that hype. The trailers have progressively gotten better. It looks it's more it's more action packed compared to the last one, which is good. And there's a more serious tone, which definitely makes it seem like a much better movie than the the last one with Brandon Ralph and uh, Brian Singer directing. Cool. Would you be interested
1: in us getting some insight from you after the movie's been completed? Oh yeah, go ahead. Great, great. All right. Well, we look forward to talking to you after the show. All right. Cool. Young, anything else you want to say?
9: Um, make better movies, DC. Green Lantern was not good enough. More Sinestro.
1: I can agree with you on that one. It was a vivid disappointment. All right. Well, sir, you enjoy the show. We'll talk to you later.
3: Thank you. All righty, folks. Eric Brickmont back here at Nerds on the Street segment with the uh, lovely, wonderful Man of Steel premiere. Of course, there is one particular person in this audience that you all know, you all love, who is probably the biggest Superman nut that I have ever known. And, uh, you know, Brian, because obviously I'm talking about Brian you haven't figured it out by now, Uh I've always wondered what is it about said man of steel that uh, fascinates
1: you so very much. It's interesting because, like, I never, as a kid, was super into Superman until about when Lois and Clark came on the air in 1993. I was already always into Batman up to that point. I remember seeing Superman as a little kid, but I guess what fascinated me was Lois and Clark played with the whole idea of a romance between those characters, and I had being about eight or nine when that series came out my head was starting to wrap around the idea that oh there is such a thing as romantic love to see this character struggle with that struggle with finding that was fascinating as as, as I got older I always felt like he got more interesting he had all these powers and he's essentially a demigod <laughs> somebody would argue he's just a full god and yet he makes a choice to help mankind and when he could very easily just conquer it that truly fascinates me.
3: So, I'm going to surprise you here. Who in my family, that you've gotten to know now, do you think is a Superman fan? A big Superman fan, actually. I'm going to say your father. Nope. My mom. Really? And my mom has always loved Superman. Loved it for a long time. And when Lois and Clark came out, my dad would videotape it for her uh, every week. And she has the whole series on VHS, which they still occasionally watch from time to time.
1: No kidding. Well, I love it because there's a uh, channel called, um, uh, I can't even remember it, but there's a there's a, a cable station now that has reruns of Lois and Clark that they show on, on Sunday nights, which was always, when I watch them on Sunday nights, um, I get nostalgic for being a little kid again. And, uh, you know, the, the villains were kind of corny when looking at them back a second time, but I loved Those scenes between Clark and Lois still hold up. So, uh, Terry Hatcher, who of course
3: plays Lois in that particular incarnation of Superman, do you know what one of her
1: first TV gigs was? No, I know she was originally a uh, 49ers cheerleader, but I, I, I would not be able to say I know what her first TV gig was now. Star Trek The Next Generation.
3: No kidding. She played a, uh, I believe it was a lieutenant. And she uh, ended up uh, having a bit of a romance with kind of a rogue, kind of um, drifter-type alien who, who ended up aboard the, uh, the Enterprise. Our paths cross yet again, sir. It's uh, synergy. All comes together. Yeah, indeed. What it really means is just Star Trek permeates the universe more than anything. As
1: does Superman. Yes, but Star Trek more so. <laughs> I
8: think
1: we'll have to be a, a, a stalemate on this one, sir. No, I win. You just haven't accepted it yet. Maybe.
3: Our conversations need to stop ending this way.
1: <laughs> so when I see another man in a Superman shirt, I have to ask if he's a hardcore Superman fan, and the answer is a big yes here, right? Uh, hopefully. Yeah. What's your name, sir? Andy. Andy, how you doing tonight? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, so you're coming into this as a movie fan or a Superman fan? Uh, definitely more Superman than movie fan. Awesome. Okay. So, what is your favorite Superman storyline?
4: Apocalypse, probably.
1: Okay. That's a great one.
4: Yeah.
1: No, the superhero turns dark. It's a very, very yeah. interesting juxtaposition. Which is, would you say is your favorite non-comics version of Superman, whether it's television, animation, movies?
4: Um, aside from comics, I would say the more the, like the graphic novel av- adaptations that they made into the movies sort of thing. Not necessarily the movie themselves, but the graphic novel adaptations. Okay. Got gotcha. you. Be, can you give me an example? Uh, well, they did an Apocalypse one, which was pretty cool, and then, um, I guess also like the Justice League cartoons, you know, the TV shows, those ones.
1: Gotcha, so like the Warner Brothers animation ones. Yeah, definitely. Gotcha, cool, cool. What do you like about the character? What's, what's, what about the character draws you in?
4: I think it's the fact that he's invincible to a certain degree, but his humanity kind of makes him less invincible than, you know, even though he has a great amount of power, he can be taken down just because of his humanity.
1: Right, so his weaknesses are more emotional than they are physical.
4: Yeah, exactly. What is
1: your mindset going into this movie?
4: Oh, man, Uh, I'm really excited, but uh, I'm also, you know, just kind of hoping that it's good. kind of wary just, you know, after, like, you know, kind of past performances and adaptations in the movies, so I'm hoping that this kind of is the groundwork for what I think Superman should be.
1: I hear you. Well, would you be interested in giving us some insight after the movie's over? Oh, yeah, sure. Cool, great. Then we look forward to hearing you after. Anything else you'd like to share?
4: That's pretty much it. (laughs) Cool.
1: All right, Andy. Well, thank you very much, and uh, enjoy the show. Here we are, folks, less than one minute from the start of the film. I'm getting more excited. Eric, are you excited? I'm
3: very excited. It may also be because you guys just got the entire movie theater to sing Happy Birthday to me, which was by far one of the coolest things anyone's ever done for me.
1: Well, you deserve it, sir. Well, thank you. Guys, you getting excited? Oh,
4: yes. Yeah? Oh, yes. There's, There's lots of excitement. You could almost say a super amount of excitement.
1: Very good. All right, guys, here we go. We will check in with you after the show. So we're here, after the end of Man of Steel, it's about 2.45 in the morning. We're all tired, and we've definitely got some very mixed opinions about the movie. Nick, you happen to be in the
7: circle with us. Do you, are you ready to, to offer your opinions on the film? Amazing action, light on the character, and kind of change things around completely on certain things, especially with the Clark Kent kind of thing. Um, I don't know if it's uh, true to the character, in my opinion fully I should say okay if they were to make a sequel would you see it oh yeah probably I'm not I'm gonna give something a chance I'm not saying it was a bad movie I'm not saying I didn't enjoy parts of it I'm just I don't know it I it was different than I uh, thought thought was gonna be okay well thank you sir Richard do you, do you have your statement ready
6: I'm not entirely sure um, it was <laughs> the, the term action orgy comes to mind like that it felt like there was just too much going on, action-wise. I, and usually I love a good, you know, just crazy movie. But this one felt over the top. It, it feels like I don't know. I'm wondering if if Nolan is, you know, thinking he has to go bigger every movie, and that like takes away from somehow the story. You know. Oh, last movie I was gonna nuke a city. So this one I've got a. I don't know. It's without spoiling anything. It, it, it just felt almost too over the top, and then you can't. You, you don't get a, a feel for it. You don't get a, a, a feel for the story, for the human aspects of it.
1: Okay. Were there any parts that you felt were good other than the other than just... Because you're saying there's a bunch of action there. But did you find that there were any
6: good character elements in it? Um, I really liked Lois in this one. I felt that she was a um, good, strong character. I actually sort of appreciated what they did with her and uh, Superman's relationship. Um her discoveries and things like that I thought that was um, a unique pull for it and it, it makes a lot of sense I have no problem with you know what they've done so I yeah that was one of my favorite parts was watching her really be a good investigator and being fearless and being strong and help and yeah basically just be a good character
1: cool
3: well
6: thank you for sharing your opinion
4: sir
1: so we're back here with Andy who we talked to right before the movie so Andy first impressions
4: Awesome. Awesome? Okay, well, what did you like about it? Uh, I don't know where to begin. Everything. Uh, mostly just Henry Cavill as Superman is perfect. Okay. I mean, in a lot of mixed opinions, so um, was there anything in the movie that maybe you disagreed with? Um, it, I mean, I guess the, the whole Krypton thing felt very alien, a little too alien to me, but... As in, like, really Scott alien? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, a little, a little kind of hokey almost, but... Uh, Yeah, it's supposed to be alien, so I guess it works, but it was still a little too much for me. Alright, well, cool. Anything else? No, Uh, I can't wait to see another 12 times. Cool. Tomorrow. Alright,
1: great. Well, thank you, sir. It just so happens we've run into my buddy Tariq, who we saw at the Star
10: Trek opening. Uh, Sir, good to see you. Good to see you, too, man. How you doing? I am completely blown away. Okay. Yeah. So, tell us why. I just saw the Man of Steel... Uh, premiere twelve fifteen and I have to say it was great. It really was a cinematic story of Superman recreated. I felt like perfectly. Cool, very cool. What was your favorite part? Without trying to give too much away, of course. Oh, my favorite part would actually give the whole thing away. Um, oh, okay, fair enough. But what did you feel was the strongest element of the movie? How they told how he came to be, pretty much like how they created the the backstory of Kal-El and Clark Kent at the same time while keeping it at a pace for the audience to still go with it. It didn't slow down, it, it didn't um, bore you the way he they told his backstory. It kept you interested.
1: Yeah, definitely. I kind of like that it was not unlike Batman Begins, a
10: non-linear origin yeah. of the character. It opened it up. It it definitely opened it up. You know, like Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan were were able to recreate this iconic hero for the new uh, generation and make him a badass. Yeah, I agree. I think that there there are some issues with I have with the film, but. I think at its core,
1: they got the essence of Superman. They
10: definitely did, and they kept him human
2: at the same time,
10: even even if he is an alien, they kept him human and relatable. You know, most people aren't able to relate to Superman because he's an alien, but they were able to make him, you felt, you know, at certain parts, you felt his pain. Great, well, sir, I think you've said all you need to say. (laughs) So, it was good to see you. Dude, awesome. All right, and... uh,
1: Have a good night. You too. All right, thank you. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Young looks like he took off. So I think this is going to conclude our Nerds on the Street segment. Please share your opinions of what you thought of Man of Steel. Uh, You can get us through the nerds at nerdonomy.com or follow us on Twitter at nerdonomy. Last time on Nerds on Film, the Moriarty brothers joined forces and
0: they talked about
1: Superman. So Superman 2. Superman 2 was not as popular as a movie. Uh, And of course was not directed by Richard Donner, even though it was and wasn't. There was actually two directors. It was Richard Donner and Richard Lester. and all yep. seemed well for, for our heroes in Red and Blue. And then, of course, things got pretty awkward, I think, film do we
2: Do we even... I feel like we have to talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. It's like when you're sitting in a psychologist's couch... And they're like, tell me about the worst thing that ever happened to you. Just, just describe it. Get ready for
1: the dark times, folks. And the epic conclusion of the Mo Bro Soups Show.
2: All right.
4: <laughs> I like that. Okay, as the
2: opening. that's what we're doing. I like, that, I, I, I like that pause. All right. So, what, what, what,
1: what, what do we do now? Um, then we got to Superman 3. And.
2: Ugh god um this first and foremost let's let's start off by talking about what this movie didn't need (laughs) richard pryor number one richard pryor (laughs) number one who just so happens to be uh like a street criminal who miraculously learns how to be a computer hacker genius the first time he puts his hands on a computer
1: because he took a computer correspondence course or something like that
2: no, I don't remember that at all, actually. I just he remember that he did. He, he acted like the dumbest man alive, but no, he was some sort of computer genius.
1: No, no, no. What, what, what ended up happening, so he was a guy who was on welfare, which is offensive, number one, outright, because um, yep. you're enforcing a racial stereotype. And then he takes a, uh, at the recommendation, I think, of the uh, unemployment department, takes a class to increase his job skills. So he takes a job on the computer, and through that getting a job working at, I believe it was whatever organization he was building the computer for, discovers that he is was a dormant computer genius who just needed his channel basically to use his power. And then, you right, then he makes this device that Superman gets caught in between and he ends up basically tries to synthesize Kryptonite and, and ends up creating a, an evil Superman and a good Superman. And the other thing is... <laughs> And it's so it's 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 so convoluted in the first minute of you explaining it. Yeah, right, right, and and not on top of that, they also just said, "Oh well, you know what? We're not going to have Lois Lane in this movie. She's in it for." like... I know fa-
2: she in the very beginning in the first ten minutes. She's like, "Oh, I'm going on assignment somewhere. Bye, bye, bye." Yeah, <laughs> and and, that's and
1: it. Kidder is in it, but she's in it for like one scene.
2: Yeah. And
1: so it, the whole movie takes place in Smallville with Superman rekindling oh, yeah, with
2: Lana Lang,
1: with Lana Lang, his high school girlfriend, played by Annette O'Toole, who would eventually reprise. Uh, which eventually would play Superman's mother in Smallville later on. Yes, in the 2000s. Nerd points. Yeah, thank you. Ten nerd points. And then you also find out that Lana Lang has a kid, so it, there's this whole awkward thing where Superman's like a pseudo, like he's the boyfriend of her yeah. mom, and I know of his mom, and just like it's just it's a very awkward movie. It's very awkward so movie. So awkward, and it's a pretty much a Bizarro film without there being Bizarro.
2: It seemed like they took so many steps back with the special effects, with that fight with the two Supermans in the, in the dump where they both fight each other. It looked so like they were trying to do slow motion without doing slow motion and just like slowly punching each other. And the throws looked terrible when they were throwing each other yeah, across. Because you could it was tell the they were on actor, wires. Pretty much. So let's let's
1: look at the stats of this movie for a second because where did this movie go wrong? All right. First of all, still produced by the salkins, okay? Mm-hmm. Still directed by Richard Lester. Yes. Script is where I want I I probably want to blame this on. Let's see. Script was written by L- David Newman and Leslie Newman. Do you know what they also wrote? What? They they did drafts of Superman. They did drafts of Superman 2, but they were given pretty much full carte blanche to do Superman 3. And here's a funny thing. Do you know what they also wrote? What? It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. The 1966 oh. Superman musical on Broadway. Yes, way less
2: one, injuries than the new Spider-Man musical.
1: Well, that one was much more like Batman, where it was the, uh, del- the deliberate parroting of Superman. To the point where like, they had a rope behind him for flying, and they, they didn't even try to hide it. Like, It was very blatantly, it was uh, the rope. And it opened and closed very quickly, didn't it? Kind of. I mean, it actually had some pretty... Big people behind it. It was first done in 1966 on Broadway. Then it was, there was a 1975 AD, ABC TV special of it. But you know who directed it? Uh, Harold Prince. And Harold huh. Prince Harold Prince would eventually go on to do, like, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And do, uh, I believe he did Les Miserables, too. Uh, so yep. he, he's a really, really good director. But sometimes you just, you know, you, you get a shit for a script. Kind of sad. I, I'm always quicker to blame the writer than I am, or, or the studio, um than I am to blame a director for a film failing. Because the director can tell a story, but sometimes if the story you have to tell isn't all that great, y- y- you can be the best director in the world and you can't save that movie. You know? Yeah,
2: but then why continue? Why even go why because you're contractually obligated to? Why do people yeah. just
1: leave? Yeah, they were under contract. I mean yeah, I, I right. know Reeve was under contract. They weren't gonna not make a Superman movie. You know. I
2: know. And that was his only, because he. it's the curse, he has to keep doing, at least he recognized he has to keep doing Superman movies for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I
1: don't know how much more you want to say about Superman 3, but I'm ready to move on at this point.
2: <laughs> I know, there's nothing else to say.
1: Doesn't Lex Luthor show up at the very end? Let's see, no, uh, Lois Lane and Perry White make an appearance at the end, but Lex Luthor is nowhere to be found in this movie.
2: No, okay, that's the only one without him in it.
1: Pretty much, yeah. And That's
2: how you can tell how terrible
1: it is. There is another villainous multimillionaire played by Robert Vaughn. Uh, ah, that's
2: right, Robert. That's so stupid. They basically Ross, just got a guy that was like a stand-in for Lex Luthor.
1: Pretty much, yeah. His name's Ross Webster is the character's name, but he's trying to conquer the world's coffee supply. Fuck. I mean, I understand we all like. I mean, we all like coffee, but seriously, like that's yeah. how you're going to take over the world? Coffee? Because I yes. guarantee if we said, all need it. Because you know, if, if everyone was told coffee is you know twenty dollars a pound. For like, full I would you know, ride in say, the streets. I, I would, would just
2: start looting and burning people's houses down.
1: I don't think it's that evictive of a drug. I think people say, um, "I'll just have tea." Seriously, like, I don't think it's that hard. Or, or uh-huh. I'll, I'll have a soda. Nope. You know,
2: coming coming from a hardcore coffee addict, I would riot and I would burn people's houses down. I've now said here, it twice now.
1: now. Here's what I find really interesting. This is according to the Wikipedia article. There actually, this is really really interesting cause, and you'll you'll know why because when we get to Kevin Smith and his involvement with Superman, it'll all start to make sense. The producer, Ilya Salkind, originally wrote a treatment for Superman 3 that involved Brainiac, Mr. Mixleplik, and Supergirl, but Warner Brothers didn't like it. The treatment was released 2007 online. Uh, That
2: sounds like a Joel Schumacher (laughs) Superman movie.
1: (laughs) The Mr. Mixleplik portrayed in the outlines uh, varies from the good and humored comic counterpart and uses his abilities to seriously harm. Uh, Dudley Moore was the top choice to play Mr. Mixleplik. Meanwhile, in the same treatment... Brainiac was from Kolu, who, of course, is the planet where Brainiac is from, and had discovered Supergirl in the same way that Superman had, was found by the Kents. Brainiac is portrayed as a surrogate father to Supergirl, and eventually fell in love with his daughter, with air quotes, who did not reciprocate his feelings as she had fallen in love with Superman. That is a twisted, incestuous tale that they were oh, woven. Oh, my God. Yeah, because, of course... I really
2: want to see it now, though. <laughs> Do you? Do you-, well, you I want to read you can, that.
1: You can read it, I'm sure, but fuck man that's like oedipus <laughs> <laughs> on crypto. i know it's basically. like you know,
2: you know what you know what superman's missing is some good old-fashioned greek tragedy family banging yeah what Superman needs is incest <laughs> incest <laughs> okay here i'm gonna put two words up on the board right superman writes <laughs> incest now i know what you're thinking but seriously this needs to happen it needs to happen like I need to drive a rusty nail through my foot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> it's true. It doesn't need to happen. And thankfully, yeah. so... Warner Brothers didn't. <laughs> so what probably happened was they said, well, fine, we'll, we'll just hire someone who's written the scripts before. And they went, oh, okay, well, this is better than nothing, you know. And
2: what year was Superman 4?
1: Superman quest 4. For the Quest for Peace. The Quest for Peace. Oh, sorry, the Quest for Peace. That's right. The Quest for Peace. Well, first of all, Superman 3 was 83, the year of your yep. birth might i add
0: mm-hmm.
1: and superman 4 the quest for peace was 1987 yeah now keep in mind this was the one where lester was like i'm out sorry and i saw
2: what you guys did last time and i'm not having any part of it
1: yeah and it was directed this time by Sidney j fury
2: and i don't know that name at all and probably because that movie ruined this person's career
1: yeah made for a budget of only 17 million dollars um, screenplay was by Mark Rosenthal and Richard Conner, based on the story by Conner, Rosenthal, and Christopher Reeve himself. So um,
2: they I, let one of the actors write. That's when you know it's going downhill.
1: Yeah. So of course, as we, we, we we've talked about before, this is the where Superman makes this big plea to the United Nations for nuclear disarmament, and one of the opening scenes is him taking all these nukes in and throwing them into the sun.
5: Cause that makes yes.
1: sense. It actually does make sense because the sun's a major nuclear reactor, so the sun will just absorb all that energy and fine. But a nefarious plot takes place where Superman, oh sorry, Superman's nemesis Lex Luthor reappears, and he has some sort of technological magic in one of these missiles that when it gets technological magic, <laughs> yeah, that uh, <laughs> some hocus pocus with gears and microchips that uh, he puts into a missile and that that's one of these nuclear warheads and uh when he throws it into the sun creates the, n- the nuclear man which was a very looked 80s like rick
2: flair pretty much
1: <laughs> it did look like rick flair he looked like an 80s yeah. wrestler on acid like
2: an um, 80s wrestler on acid wearing shiny orange and black material right and so with he's wristbands g- feathered blonde hair and a headband
1: now here's what's funny he's got similar powers to superman except he's nuclear and what i think is really funny about this scene is the the key moment where superman is thrown into doubt is what does nuclear man do does he punch him no does he, he scratches like scratches him he scratches him with his nails he
2: scratches him like a cat <laughs> exactly like a fucking house cat <laughs> Take that, Superman. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and then
2: immediately he starts doing aerobics on the moon. <laughs> and one and two and three and four and jump and oh shit. And we're back down now. Okay, one and two. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And so Superman gets
1: ill and then somehow he has this moment where like he's sick and like Lois comes over to visit Clark Kent who is also conveniently ill. And uh, she has this whole pep talk with Clark Kent, who at this point, I think the, audi- the audience has accepted that Lois Lane knows something is up with Clark Kent that not necessarily is Superman, but that she he has a very close connection with Superman. So she basically is trying to do this pep talk that she, he will eventually give to Superman, I believe. And that's the pep talk, of course, goes directly to him. And yeah. he finally. And
2: this whole time he's like shivering on the couch under a blanket like a little kid. Drinking thermo- Theraflu,
1: mind you. Drinking view. Theraflu, like
2: just shaking. It was terrible acting. He was like. <laughs> <he's> just, <laughs> he looked like a wet dog in the rain. Right. And of course, Nuclear Man forces his way to
1: the Daily Planet and he abducts uh, one of the, these characters from the movie Lacey, which was I believe was played by um, Muriel Hemingway. Yeah, that's right.
2: She was like Perry White's new boss because another company had bought the Daily Planet.
1: Right. And Superman had come back, but then he was stuck on the moon at some point. And yeah, and then
2: they had that horrible fight on the moon, which wasn't much better than the fight in Superman 3 and the garbage dump. It looks so poorly choreographed. Right. <laughs> anyway,
1: and then I think he throws Nuclear Man into the sun, doesn't he? Does
2: yeah, he-, he throws Nuclear Man into the sun.
1: And that destroys him, so...
2: Which he could have done the first time he met up with them. Now,
1: I swear to you, as a kid, I thought, wait a second, isn't that just gonna make another nuclear man?
2: And <laughs> yeah, because they that's where that's what happened. They threw nukes into the sun, that made nuclear man. So you throw nuclear man into the sun, it's like You get 10 and it's man. after midnight and you fed him, it turns into like <laughs> twenty five more evil nuclear men. More
1: fugly looking nuclear men.
2: Yeah. <laughs> nuclear <laughs> yeah.
1: man's a mogwai. There you go.
2: <laughs> yeah. Nuclear man the mogwai. <laughs>
1: That would have been Should a more be interesting movie. the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so suffice it to say...
2: I found no peace with the quest
1: for peace. And the movie did not do well financially. So now it gets quite interesting. Yeah. Yes,
2: mm, yes, it gets very, very interesting because they're done. They're done with what we've known of, of Superman, you see. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And we don't see him on screen again, in the big screen, for at
1: least 20 years. 19 to be. No, great. but uh
2: but but a much smaller screen is where he found his home, a much smaller one It was very small sat sat in the uh, in the living room and sometimes you would set your tea upon it. Sometimes <laughs> you'd uh, give your lady a jolly rogering on top of it. If we're going to do British accents I'm just going to do this one. Uh
1: that's not entirely true because I forgot to mention that between 1983 <laughs> and Superman 3 came out and Superman 4 there was Super Go made in 1984. Super Go! Go Made 1984
2: starting head in Slater. I've always wanted Alfred to explain Superman to me in a weird nerd boner way. You see Super Go!
1: Superman's cousin. She's from a little pot called argo City, you see. And argo City-
2: <laughs> she's from a little part. stop it. All right, go back. So yes, I forgot. Supergirl. the Supergirl, which was uh well, I, I enjoyed it as a child, I remember just because I would watch anything especially hot ass Helen Slater in an in that little outfit. Helen Slater was good as Supergirl. But She was a good Supergirl, but the movie was terrible. I remember, what was the... I just remember the words Omega Hedron, and I don't know why. It's like, it's fuzzy. It's coming through a haze of something I'm trying to forget. Was, it was basically
1: what would power Argo City. So Argo City, which was, um, for those who don't know about the Superman lore, was one portion of Krypton that survived the destruction That's of right. Krypton. So they were like this planetoid in space, basically, that was a dome city. Kind of like Kandor. Kandor is the shrunken city that Brainiac has of Krypton. This was a full size version of Argo City. And so Kara who who is the cousin of Superman, has yes. been living and has known that Superman has been on Earth and um will, she will eventually go meet him. She finds her way to Earth through some trans dimensional form of transportation. And when she gets to Earth she comes some to Some very Earth-
2: convenient way.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but like when she gets to Earth, she comes to Earth in Supergirl costume. No explanation for it whatsoever. She goes from Kryptonian clothing to Supergirl outfit in like a second. Isn't it like
2: she doesn't she just like fly through a uh,
1: like like a piece of cement
2: tubing or something?
1: No, she no she. Well, there was all these different ways she changed into Supergirl, but the first time you see her, her transdimensional voyage lands on Earth, coming out of a lake. So when she comes out of the lake. She is in the Supergirl outfit and she flies right away and lands. So it's weird because like, she knows she's going to get these powers and she knows exactly how to use them right away, even
2: though that in Argo City she never had those powers. And she never had contact with Superman, so she didn't know about the outfit and everything, did he?
1: Exactly. Well, the, the symbol did they she? knew. Well, they knew about the symbol because they're from the same family. The S symbol, as we've established, in the later Superman comic books is not the S for Superman. It's either... It means either hope, as they're saying it means in the new movie, or it means... It's actually the symbol for the family, for the L family. Yeah. So... Um, it's like the
2: family crest
1: exactly so she but the color scheme i just no fucking clue like how that came out anyway so she's on trying to find this this omega hedron she assumes this other identity of linda lee and she also gains another superpower apparently superman can
2: change his hair color too never knew that and of course because they have to have somebody from superman who's like the who's the only guy that can get from superman jimmy olsen mark mcclure jimmy olsen Yes. Who, who is one of the worst Jimmy Olsons? I and did she not goes like to college. Him as she Jimmy goes Olsen. to
1: college and she's friends with Lois Lane's little sister Lucy. So yeah, that's right. It's like a, sp- a really bad spin off movie because it is. Yeah. Which and, is
2: exactly what it was.
1: And of course, Faye Dunaway is this witch character who, I can't remember her, her name was Selena. And she was this witch who finds the Omega Hedron and, is, and apparently it amplifies her magic.
2: And she uh, had a female Otis. She did
1: she totally did
2: <laughs> it was like Lex Luther and Otis if they were f- if they were female, pretty much and is what they did, except they made a, them all into witchcraft and gypsy like yeah,
1: such a bad movie because you've also got uh, Peter O'Toole as Zaltar, who is supposed to be like yeah. her father figure there is Zorel Simon Ward plays Zorel, uh of course the brother of of Jorel Superman's father, so yes. contrived movie, tried to make a cool spin off of it, and also made by the sulkins. Was obviously very short lived because didn't probably didn't do very well in theaters because of that. So now we've really honed down on 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 how much bad ideas the Sulkins let go through for Superman. But there was one more idea that they did they did have, which was to tell another Superman story after Superman Four. Reeves had eventually said I'm done and decided he was going to hang up the cape for good. But they wanted to continue to develop the character, so they eventually end up doing Super Super Boy the TV show, and, uh, Gerald Christopher, who was the, the guy who they ended up being Superman, uh, or Superboy in this case, they were gonna cast him as Superman. And they had a whole script ready to go, and, um, they eventually, Warner Brothers, this is about 1993, or 1992, I think, they eventually pulled the plug. Why? Because, Sean, what happened in 1993 in, uh, comic books that changed everything they killed superman the they death did. of
2: superman series in the comics
1: No, those who read comics know that superman's death is not shocking because they've actually done it before they actually killed yeah. him off in a one episode stint where he was killed from kryptonite poisoning but this time was special because they said they were going to keep him dead quote unquote they kept him dead for about a year or so and that was yeah. that was their plan the plan was to do death of death superman and then a whole world without a superman
2: not really they did this horrible series of separate comics of which one of these people is going to be the new superman we are competing for the new superman except for superboy who's like don't call me superboy
1: yeah and none of them were really superman right they were they were wondering none of of them were were you were
2: supposed to try to be figuring out which one of them was and then and then by the end it was none of them are right it's this dude made of electricity and his hair looks way way more like a douchebag's hair (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, that's actually a later storyline, but that's okay. So, Warner Brothers eventually says, Sorry, Selkins, you know, you've done enough, I think. I think we're good. And they start to develop scripts for telling the death of Superman. And that's when Superman Reborn gets rewritten as a script by Gregory Poirier and goes to a very hokey concept of the death of Superman. And it literally, Superman Reborn involves Superman dying at the end of Doomsday, Superman, his spirit impregnating Lois Lane, with a baby that quickly just dates gets born, and grows to full form. So essentially, Superman gets reborn through Lois Lane, and
2: yeah, which is creepy not creepy as fuck.
1: Creepy as fuck. And that's that's not uh, how he was brought back in the comic books. He was in a trance that he that he was resuscitated from using his birth chamber that he came to Earth in. Ha! <laughs> you said
2: birth chamber.
1: Well, yeah, his ship was his, with his birthing chamber. It's it's, it's no, a known I'm, fact. No, I'm
2: thinking about a lady's birthing chamber. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so... Sorry.
1: Uh, they went from metaphor to literal interpretation of that, I guess, with Superman Reborn. Kevin Smith takes a look at this script in about 1996, when they're trying to get the... the Shits his pants, says this can never happen. This is pretty much the worst thing he's ever read. And then he takes over reigns and he kind of rewrites it in a way that is interesting and set the template for a lot of what would have been 10 years of development pretty much for
2: and he was having a lot of ideas shoved down his throat by uh by john peters in the studio when he was writing that script so right. there's there's some things if you get a hold of it that aren't necessarily his fault
1: right john peters who had had lots of success with the early batman movies producing them Warner Brothers had assigned him to do Handle Superman this time. Uh, and he's still a Superman producer. He produced Superman Returns in 2006. He was one of the producers on it. And he's actually still one of the producers for Superman Man of Steel, too, believe it or not. Uh, it's pretty pretty crazy. Because um, he's done some really, really wa- weird stuff, like uh, a gay robot. Um, a, a scene where... where uh, well, let's go back to what the story is. So there's still the death of Superman. Yeah. And you find out that Lois Lane... Has, has now learned Superman's identity, and they've been dating clandestinely for like a year, and Superman dies, uh, is then brought back to life by one of his... Did they have
2: him die fighting Doomsday, just like the comic, or did they come up with a different way? I forget.
1: No, he did die fighting Doomsday. However, the way they do it is really weak sauce, because Brainiac is the villain of the movie, right? Brainiac joins forces with Lex Luthor, and they use LexCorp satellites. Luthor, at this point, is not a criminal anymore at least not overtly he's a billionaire who uh, is a military he's like a
2: crooked he's like a crooked uh, high bas- person of high society
1: he's basically an evil Tony Stark he's a weapons developer yeah. who's really just trying to build stuff to kill Superman he's trying to find the yeah. one weapon that will kill Superman because he distrusts him innately because he's, a, he's an alien So Brainiac, who is the devourer of worlds, essentially, not like Galactus, but, like, he goes and he curates uh, different species of animals from different planets, and there's an opening scene in the movie where he kills two alien species, and then he finds out that the Kryptonian, quote-unquote, he's found signs of him on Earth, and that was, like, the one thing he wanted. He wanted to kill the Kryptonian. So he comes to Earth and partners with Lex Luthor, and they devise a means of blocking out Earth's sun using LexCorp satellites and of course we all know that Superman's power is derived from Earth's yellow sun so yes. with, his, with his powers weakened he doesn't stand a chance against Doomsday so he beats Doomsday but Doomsday kills him in the process and then Doomsday is just this creature who's wreaking havoc who Doom, who Brainiac kills with his superior weaponry and Brainiac is now touting himself as the savior of the planet in lieu of Superman's absence Lois Lane right away knows something's funny about this, so she and Jimmy get on it, and they, they do some investigative reporting, as they usually do, and get themselves into trouble. And they find out that Luther's involved, and Luther eventually and them get kidnapped by Brainiac. Meanwhile, at the Fortress of Solitude... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the Hall of Justice! <laughs> uh, exactly. This character that they call, quote-unquote, the Eradicator... Yeah, is awoken. Who is a robotic? Who I thought was one of the
2: weakest. He wasn't robotic. I thought there was the half cyborg version, and then there was the dude with the yellow glasses. Different, with the different,
1: different take on the character. Hang on a second. Okay. So this is an AI robotic shape shifting android, basically, who is woken up from uh, his ship. Like literally, it morphs out of his ship and uh, I have this, the the ship that brought him to Earth. And so he is now tracking Superman's body. Superman's body is in tomb at this point, right under the giant Superman statue devoted to him. Uh, he teleports the body back into this, the fortress and it brings him back to life. At this point, because Earth is still blocked out entirely by the LexCorp satellite, Superman still does not have his powers, right? And so their mission is to go stop Brainiac, kill the satellites, and then get everything else honky-dory back on Earth. There's one great scene I love in this movie, which is that in the script, because even though, cause it was never sh- shot, obviously. There's a moment where they're flying in this ship, and they Superman sees a fire. And Superman has no powers, but he still goes in to save the people there. He has the Eradicator break open like a fire hydrant, douse him with water, and he runs in the building, no powers. And he almost doesn't make it out. He gets trapped. And then the Eradicator saves him and morphs into this robotic-looking super... Spacesuit basically that gives that can emulate Superman's powers. So Superman climbs huh. into that and flies him through space up to the Brainiac ship essentially. And so anyway, um, the Eradicator dies, sacrificing himself to you know push the agenda forward. Superman falls to Earth just as one of the satellites is disassembled, causing a single ray of sunlight to break through, and it catches Superman as he's falling <laughs> to Earth. And Superman starts levitating, like moments before he would have like been liquidated from falling onto the ground. And so he goes through, follows that ray of sun, flies up to there, grabs his cape real quick. Literally, he grabs grabs his cape because you need the freaking cape. And so he's, <laughs> he, you know, he doesn't have the Superman suit. Rather, he's got this weird black looking Kryptonian suit, but he's got the Superman cape. Flies over and now dukes it out with a giant spider. <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah, <right? laughs> who was insisted on being written into the script by by uh, John Peters, who th- the studio didn't even want the script, but they said, just, just do it, just don't call it a spider. So Kevin Smith, knowing his knowledge of DC Universe, very cleverly calls it Athenagarian Snare Beast. Um, <laughs> and so it's this big, total clusterfuck of, a, of an action sequence where he fights the brainiac whose consciousness was melded with this giant spider.
2: And he also fights a
1: polar bear at some point too, doesn't he? Brainiac kills a polar bear because the they wrote in that the at the doorway of the Fortress of Solitude are two polar bear statues, yeah. and they're like holding up globes or whatever. And one of them, as a defense, or both of them actually come alive and attack Brainiac. Brainiac kills one, and the other one runs away because they don't want to piss off the Peta of people. So, uh, <laughs> as they said, Peta as, Peta people as as. Uh, as Kevin Smith joked, so yeah, it's a very minor moment though. Like, and it's Brainiac trying to break into the fortress. And you know, what? I'm I'm wrong. It's not the Kryptonian he wants. He wants the Eradicator, this 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 um, artificially intelligent being. That's what he wants. He wants to add that as another weapon in his menagerie. So by the by the uh, Eradicator destroying himself, you know, of course, there's no need for him to be there. So now he just wants vengeance, and that's why Superman has to go uh, defeat him. So, you know, eventually all is saved in Metropolis. Uh, Superman goes back to being who he, who he is, reaffirms his love for Lois Lane, and so on and so forth. Awesome script. Unfortunately, never got made because Tim Burton took over the directorial duties and fired Kevin Smith because he wanted to bring in his own writer, Wesley Strick, who then did a much darker version of the same premise. The, pretty much the exact same story, just with a couple other details, switched around. And I think they changed the name of The Eradicator to something else. But it was the same, pretty much the same character. And then they just, it, it got stuck in development hell. They they were literally about ready to start shooting. They had casting, they had costumes made, they had sets built, they had lots yeah, of production. You can find design.
2: this uh, picture of Nicolas Cage, who, by the way, was going to play Superman. We didn't mention that yet. Yeah. Nicolas Cage in the suit, and it looks awful. I'm yeah. really glad Nicolas well, Cage
1: never played Superman. Well, there's the pre death suit, which pretty much looks like a Batman Forever version. Of um, of the Superman suit, and then there's the post death exactly. version, which is like a a uh, Tim Burton nightmarish version of Superman. Which because <laughs> when yeah. I think of Superman, that's what I want. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's actually a documentary that's being made right now called "The Death of Superman Lives," which talks all about this. And they reached their flex goal, so they're going to shoot like five minutes of the Kevin Smith version of the script. So it, 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 it's going to be interesting when that movie comes out. So, basically, Superman just goes into development hell at that point. Um, They eventually canceled the movie. But
2: we do have Lois and Clark on television during all this.
1: We do. Amazing. Only for a few years, though. Yeah, for about four seasons, from 1993 to 1998. Sorry, 97, I think is when it went off the air. Absolutely great TV show. Um, Really talked about the human side of, of Clark Kent and the Lois Lane falling in love because in the comic books they had also fallen in love and gotten married and they actually showed superman for the first time getting married and having a, a, a really a human existence and, and find, trying to find balance between him being the world's protector
2: and being just an, an average guy and and they were gonna deal with him having a kid but i thought that they the show was canceled and one of the last episodes they the very kid, last yeah. episode was them about to have a kid and then it just ended
1: yeah exactly they're just giving a kid so, at this point in time, you've got that. And, you know, that's, that's me. That's my first exposure to Superman on a more intimate level, I think. I really connected with Dean Cain as Superman and Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane. Um, I, I believed it. I believed that relationship between those two actors. And even watching the reruns today, there are some moments that are very Which you healthy. can
2: find on Netflix. You can yeah. find all of them on Netflix.
1: The funny thing is the worst part of those TV shows... Are actually the villains. The villains are really hokey, but the scenes between yeah. Lois and Clark are very real and very, very. Yeah, the
2: guy who played uh, Lex was pretty good, though. John in, Shea in yeah. certain episodes, but some he was really campy.
1: No question. We, we could spend the whole episode talking about that, but this is more film, not television. Um, yep. Sean, I know you have an equally soft spot for Lois and Clark, too,
2: right? Yes, I do. I loved watching Lois and Clark. Every Sunday. Yeah. I just like Superman a lot. A lot of people don't think he's a really interesting character, and I'm not sure why. And I, I can see why its popularity has declined in lieu of other, all these other superheroes that seem grittier and have more interesting stories, per se. But uh, there's something so pure and that is just such a timeless story, which has been told over and over again. I mean, Superman... It, is, is a regurgitated character.
1: Sure, Superman is Moses and Jesus wrapped into one, essentially. Yeah, he's
2: Moses and Jesus wrapped
1: into one. With a little bit of Hercules for, me- for good measure. So, yeah, and I'm sure the story goes back even further than that. Probably, yeah. There was also something really good that happened, though, which was that Warner Brothers Animation had a really good idea, which was to take what they'd done with Batman in this cool art deco version of Batman and apply it to Superman. And in 1996... Uh, while Lois and Clark was rocking primetime, Saturday mornings it was Superman, the animated series on the kids' WB. Awesome animated series with uh, Tim Daly from Wings as Clark Kent Superman. Great voice. Great voice. Dana Dana Delaney, of course, was the voice of Lois Lane. Uh, Mm -hmm. Actor Clancy Brown was the voice of Lex Luthor. In my mind, the best Lex Luthor to date. Kevin Spacey was good. But this guy's voice said so much about Lex Luthor. Uh, it's he, true. He, he was just... It was awesome. And um, more futuristic. Uh, Batman was more of like a retro punk art deco thing going on. Yeah, uh, This was more set in the present. But I like that, though. I was okay with that. You got to see villains that you never got to see before, like um, Parasite. <laughs> you know, the, the pink dude who could absorb uh, Superman's powers or absorb things... a uh, Life force from people around them. Like an evil version of Rogue, essentially. You never got to see him before. You never got to see Mr. Mixelplick done in more modern times with and Gilbert Gottfried was the voice of of Mr. MixoPlick. It was perfect. Yeah. Toy Man was done in a totally different way that was really like creepy. And, yeah. uh, and eventually of course that they teamed up with Batman when there was the Joker and uh, Lex Luthor joined forces in the mm-hmm. world's finest two parter, and that was that was it for epic. me. That was totally epic and that was that was a total three hour nerdgasm for me. Even though the whole <laughs> thing combined was only about 90 minutes. I think I had the yeah. whole thing relive re- over in my head, causing the later half of the nerdgasm. So, um, uh, At this point in time, Warner Brothers is kind of lost with what to do with, with Superman film. Were they're,
2: they even looking at scripts at this point? Always after looking Superman at- Lives slash Superman Reborn failed, were they like, uh, let's just shelve it for a while? Superman Lives didn't officially like end quote-unquote
1: until 2000 like that's when they really kind of like said well we're really struggling because eventually it was in two i think in 2000 where Nicolas cage officially said he quit the project because it was taking too much time and i think he realized he loves superman character i mean he named his kid kal-el for god's sakes uh yeah. he but the, he realized at a certain point he would not be able to do justice to the character so he bowed yeah. out um, thank god yeah exactly we all breathed a sigh of relief yes um, thank you nicholas
2: cage for not butt raping superman on film
1: you're right you can now go back to having your head infested by bees so um
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah! not the bees oh, man. not the bees <laughs> man um, he's done some cheesy stuff do you remember him in uh <laughs> in kick ass when he's when he's on fire yeah that was the most disturbing thing i've seen on film that's the most disturbing thing you've seen no, one on of film? the most
1: disturbing things i've seen on film Yeah.
2: i thought that at a certain point i was taken out of it by his cheesy acting when he's screaming at her like Put the salt down the cold red.
1: No, oh, no, no! He was singing. He was doing like a like a rock and roll kind of thing.
2: No, 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 no! I watched a video oh. of of that. They put they put the subtitles down on what the script said. Oh, and he was like giving her. He was giving the girl. He was giving Hit Girl commands. But the way he was doing it, and the way he was like screaming it like this, was yeah, well, he was burning so to death. Yeah. Yeah, but the choice that he made was very awkward.
1: Yeah. It was that that was just a really disturbing scene. And that was yeah. like, wow, this movie's really dark. Um, yeah. So
2: But this isn't the Mobro kick-ass show. Even exactly. though the show is kick-ass.
1: Yeah. Then finally, I mean, John Peters is pretty much set on determined on making a Death of Superman movie. So they're just they're playing around with different ideas, different rewrites of the script, different directors. A slew of different directors were approached at one point. Um, Brett Ratner um, was actually going to do it. J.J. Abrams was going to do it at one point based off of his earlier script.
2: Man, if they if they had learned back then that they should have just had... The, Kevin Smith has said this before, too, and I know that we basically have his cock in our mouth every time we do this podcast, but <laughs> he was talking about how back in the day nobody wanted to just grab a comic book writer and have them write. And he was always like, why don't you just get somebody... That writes the comics to write it. And if they had let some of these comic books, because you could have taken the Death of Superman comic, you could have taken a bunch of pieces of it, and you could have put it right on film. It because was very there was cinematic. so much epic yeah. shit leading up, leading up to it of all these other heroes falling to Doomsday, trying to fight Doomsday before right. he, Superman even got to him.
1: Right, exactly. Now, they got n- definitely more nerdier people when they got J.J. J. Abrams to do a script for it. And J.J. J. Abrams' script was, was a departure, to say the least from the comic books but it was still true to the essence of superman and they that got into development for a little bit and then they pulled back somebody else did a version of the script i can't remember who but that one was in pretty avid production brett Ratner was going to actually direct the movie boo and then i don't like brett Ratner. i neither do i i just um, thought i
2: just said i'd say yeah. that out to everybody well, out in the world
1: it was either brett radner or Mick G. one of the two <laughs>
2: oh God! That's they should like have asking, to fight each other.
1: That, that's they like should like have saying, to fight
2: each other to the death. Yeah,
1: right. Star <laughs> For War, the sake uh, Star, of film, Star Trek style. Yeah, with uh, the da, Vulcan.
2: Da, da,
1: da. If I don't kill you, McGee they will kill us both. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> one, one of them was going to be directing. I can't remember which one it was. But then the funny thing happened was Warner Brothers said, "Well, you know, we're, really, we're going to shoot this movie in Australia. Why? It's an American character. Well, because it's cheaper." And that's cool. Yeah. And and they keep saying, well, Superman's an American character. We got to shoot him in America, blah, blah, blah. And, it's like, and they basically eventually just kind of cut to the chase and said, well, why are you so opposed to this? And it turns out that the director, whichever one of them was, has a crippling fear of planes and did not want to fly to Australia. And that's the only way you can get to Australia. You can't sail to Australia from the United States. It would take you like two years to get there. So yeah. they're like, well, all right. So we're done here. Um <laughs> Finally, rumor gets around that they're they're in the market for a director, and Brian Singer, who has always loved Superman and was in absolute love with the Richard Donner movies, pitches his idea for Superman, uh, totally different than what we had seen before. Um, Not
2: not completely different than what we'd seen before. No, in fact, he was basically saying, "I'm going to go back to what worked and try to make something in the same universe."
1: But a complete departure from where they were going with the death of Superman, and therein, of course. Leads us to 2006's Superman Returns. A love letter to the Richard Donner Superman. So much so that they even reused John Williams's brilliant score, which, yes. we, we, which we didn't even talk about. Brilliant score. Um,
2: I still have it on my workout playlist for the I gym. still
1: <laughs> get chills when I hear... Da,
2: da, 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 da. I know. It makes you just want to jump out the window. And I, I'm pretty sure some people have listening to that song. And Probably. It's
1: sad. Probably.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've always said that when I die, I want my body thrown out of a plane in a Superman costume.
1: <laughs> really?
2: Yeah, that way it just, and so that it lands somewhere in like a neighborhood, so kids are just playing, and then all of a sudden this body in a Superman costume just goes <gasps> splat right in front of them on the ground, and they're like, oh my God, Superman's dead. There's something I find awkwardly calming about dying that way. Or not dying that way, but just being remembered that way. As
1: fucking up the psyches of a bunch of children <laughs> yep. for all mm-hmm. time.
2: Well, that's my life's work, Brad. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Okay.
1: <laughs> so okay, so let's talk for a little bit about Superman returns and then we'll wrap this mother up. Okay.
2: So yeah, Superman returns. Which actually okay, so <laughs> let's start this by saying that there is an overwhelming amount of hate on the internet. For Superman Returns, and in print on in actual newspapers, a lot of people had a lot of problems with Superman Returns.
1: And I'm going to come out and say that I actually didn't have that much of a problem with Superman Returns.
2: Neither did I. We've both said it on uh, on the podcast before. Um, I, under- yeah, David disagrees with us as as does. Uh, I'm not sure what, how Kevin feels about it, but I think David and both Sarah were not fans. I don't think Kevin likes it either. No, um, actually, maybe I'm
1: wrong. Maybe he actually is the one person who likes it. But here's the thing with Superman Returns. So interesting premise. It deals with Superman leaving Earth because he believes that scientists believe they've
2: discovered a remnant of uh, his planet. Yes. Um, And but wait, wait, wait. This is all supposed to. The nerds knew this, but not a lot of people knew this. Going to see the movie. The movie's supposed to take place five years right after. after. Five years after Superman two, so we're ignoring Superman three and four I mean, even existed in this universe. Never mind the fact that like thirty years had
1: passed since then, because they tried to make, <laughs> yeah. they they tried to make Metropolis as, as timeless as they could, but then you know all of a sudden Lois Lane has a cell phone and she didn't she had a landline in the previous movie that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, uh, it's essentially the same Lex Luthor, even though it's played by Kevin Spacey. Yeah, there's even the scene where he's got the wig. But he pulls. I thought it off he was right a great away. Kevin. Sp- I thought
2: Kevin Spacey was a great Lex Luthor. Wonderful Lex Luthor. He was a really good Lex Luthor. The right. He could have had a little bit better writing, and he could have had more. Uh. uh he could have had better scenes written for him, pretty much. Sure. But he killed it, and he probably took something that was so plain on the page. Yeah. And actually did wonders with what what he had. Here is my problem
1: with Superman Returns. It lags in the second act. Number one. A lot. And number two. The whole thing of him just coming back to Earth—I mean, they, they they re-explain it with like a quick one-paragraph prologue, and then like they retell the the ship leaving Krypton. But the original opening, which was redone for the Blu-ray version, special edition Blu-ray version, that they cut out of the movie was much more interesting. Which was Superman in his ship with a cool spacesuit. Flying over the this whoa, remains. Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa! Nobody said the spacesuit was cool. I thought it was kind of goofy. It was just like a charcoal gray body condom with a Superman logo on okay. it. Well, fine, that's your opinion. But let's
1: move forward. So, okay, uh, he's flying over the remains of Krypton, and he even finds the Superman logo. So, assuming yes. his father's house, and then he discovers, oh crap! This entire chunk of Krypton is irradiated. It's kryptonite. So he barely escapes with it, with his life, and his ship gets damaged. Along the process, the big crystalline ship that uh, is a variation of the ship that he flew to Earth in, as a child, and then he crash lands on Earth because he barely made it out, and we don't know any of that going into the theatrical version. We just see, okay, Superman crash
2: landed. I and probably would have liked the costume more if they would, had explained it better at the very beginning.
1: And they cut out another pivotal scene that was in the novelization and the script for Superman, but they didn't put into the final movie, which is that yeah. it was a fucking decoy. Luther knew it was kryptonite and basically paid off the scientists to say it was krypton so that Superman could go and basically kill him in the process.
2: That was a, yeah. to, a, a pivotal detail that was left out of the movie. But then if you had that in that movie, Brian, it would have been three hours and ten minutes. Well, they cut the wrong stuff out
1: is what I'm trying to say. They
2: cut the wrong stuff out. There was plenty of other stuff they could have cut out. They took. They could have s- cut out him... Because I, I love the movie too, Brian. Uh, overall, yeah. I love the movie, but the, the the main problems I had with is what we talked about: the beginning stuff getting cut out and not really explaining to you what's happening. He just he just lands at home and Martha grabs him and that's it. And the creepy way that he spies on Lois.
1: Oh yeah, that's a little creepy.
2: I, I do agree with that. Yeah. yeah. No, let me ask you this: Jason White, what's your take? I love the Jason White story arc anybody who hasn't seen the movie jason white is lois's son and for half the movie it's assumed
1: that jason is richard's son
2: yes that jason Lois. is richard's son but then we find out when he throws a piano at a guy that they- he's actually superman's son and this is the one part of the movie that i really really enjoyed because it was something that they never been touched on in at least on film or in the radio dramas definitely not something they would have dealt with back then but the fact that Superman had a baby with Lois Lane, I guess putting to bed that uh, old adage that Kevin Smith once said in his Mall Rat script that he would blow a load Super- like a shotgun right through her back. Right, exactly. No, he created a child. Yeah. And that was part of the movie I really enjoyed. I thought so to say, I enjoyed and- the surprise of having the kid throw the piano at yeah. the henchman, um, I, and I enjoyed how it had brought Lois and Superman back together.
1: And I had, I had no problem with it, too. Some people would argue that Superman is supposed to be this paragon of morality, and to see him carry on an, an unwedded relationship with Lois Lane to the point where they had a kid was very unsettling for a lot of traditionalists. I didn't care about that. I thought it was interesting. I think that even showing that the purest of pure is human yes. that can still occasionally make a mistake was very, very interesting to me. And I also thought that there was one other problem. At the end of the movie, what, after you know, you found out that Superman has learned that Jason is his son... I thought it was cute that he he re says the Jarrell speech to the kid, but I get this feeling now that like Lois
2: and Superman are going to behave like a divorced couple. And well, I thought it kind of brought them back together, and that they were setting up another movie where they were really going to be back together because I didn't get when that. they saw each other when, when when she knew that Clark knew that he was his son is when I was like, there's no way. There's no way that they're not going to get together at some point. There's just not now, not at the end but of the But See, movie. there was no implication at all that she and Richard were gonna break up. I and mean, that was, was just me.
1: I I, I felt like I was that there was gonna be I thought so too. I was hoping against Hope, but then I got this feeling that so now Superman's this awkward, like, divorced dad and Richard White is now this awkward stepfather who for the whole time thought Jason was his son, eventually he's going to have to be told that it's not his son. Is he going to break up with Lois after that? There's all these questions that are very interesting, but I just I don't feel belong in a Superman story. So, be that as it may, Jason Wayne himself isn't the problem. It's how they ended the movie that I thought was very anticlimactic. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the movie, but I definitely can sympathize with people who had problems with it. And Supposedly, if Brian Singer had been allowed to make his sequel movie, which he was also going to call Man of Steel, it would have been a much more action-oriented movie with Superman fighting other aliens and what have you. Kind of ridiculous, though, because the movie was made for $220 million and was projected to make $500 million worldwide, only made $400 million worldwide. Yes. Yeah. It still made double its budget back and made plenty of profit and probably made a crap load of money off of DVD sales. So the whole argument that he didn't and didn't,
2: merchandise, and there merchandise was Superman too. shit everywhere. I still have there were Superman too. cups at Seven Eleven. There were I still have Kansas the Slurpee soda. cups. I still have the Slurpee cups, and I still have the I Sobee. collected you those Slurpee cups, Dick.
1: And I still have the SoBe Superman energy drink too.
2: Yep, I know and, I've seen it.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I never even opened you it. You should
2: drink it. You no. should drink it. And I will on the die if Superman I really comes do that. Out.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I will die if they do that. So actually, no, that's not true. When we when we moved, I think it got dented. And I had to, I had to to throw it away. Oh no! Yeah. So now Warner Brothers is like, well, now what? (laughs) What are we gonna do? Yeah, right. They're like, yeah. So they they decided to go back to the drawing board, and finally they get the bright idea to take, well, David S. Goyer, who had written the scripts with Christopher Nolan's brother Jonathan for the Superman, sorry for the Batman movies, to do Man of Steel, which is what, of course, is coming out in a few weeks, and.
2: It's not coming out in a few weeks, Brian. When we release this, it'll be coming out on Friday, or will have already come out on Friday. I'm sorry. That's right. By the time you guys hear this, it will be coming out, or will have just come out, and I can't be more excited to see it. Um, I can't either. Zack Snyder's going to do such an amazing job of that. I can already tell. I mean, I hope. I hope. I mean, there is a chance that it could be terrible, because nobody's... Nobody's tried to redo the origin story of Superman since uh, Richard Donner did it in 1978. No so it's gonna one. Be re- the funny thing is that no one is saying
1: that, though. There have been early screenings, and everybody has said this is going to be amazing. So you've got Zack Snyder, who is a visionary director. He's got a great eye. Say what you will about some of his films, because I don't think of many of his films are very good. But. What?
2: Visually,
1: I liked Watchmen. 300, Watchmen. Hated Sucker, Sucker Punch, I hated was just okay. Hated 300. I loved Watchmen, but I hated 300. You hated 300. I did. I did. Oh, man, you just got to watch it for the sheer, like, just war spectacle. So anyway, you've got this visionary director who's great at composing shots. And he can tell a story, at least. Just the story he's telling needs work. You've got Christopher Nolan, who has a, such a strong understanding of good storytelling and overseeing this whole overall project. And again, he goes with the mindset saying, well, you know what? We made an audience believe that Batman could actually exist. I want to do the same thing with Superman, which is an even much harder thing to do, of course, because he's an alien, right? I want the yeah. world to believe that Superman could actually exist in our world. And so that was their mindset going in, and they've got brilliant casting in place. Henry Cavill, I first thought, should have been Superman the moment I saw him in The Count of Monte Cristo back in 2002. Yeah. And I think I said that before, too, but he just looks like superman like if you yeah he does he if you look at the the illustrations of superman in the comic books he is superman and they were also basing it off of a a mini-series called superman birthright there was a, that was the inspired source material for a lot of this movie which explains why superman is on a fisherman's boat at one point with a beard and like going all around the world because he's trying to find himself once he figures out he's an alien and yeah. um it's a, it's going to be a really great movie I can tell already. I mean, I watched the trailer for the movie The Full the Trailer. The
2: trailer doesn't show you a lot though. The trailer's very good at enticing you but not giving that's away okay, anything. That's okay because I saw the first full trailer. No, that's the that's what it's that's what a trailer's supposed to be like is what I'm saying, Yeah. Is that there's it's supposed to tease you but not give away too much like a lot of other trailers do. Sure. And you know, all you really can do get take from a trailer is the feeling
1: that you get from it to let you know yeah. whether you should see it. Well, for the feeling for me was speechlessness. Like I saw the full trailer of the movie the first one where you see him fly and break the sound barrier and all this cool stuff and i remember my reaction after the thing ended was a very deep breath of exhale because i wasn't breathing i was literally my breath was taken away and if the trailer can do that
2: the movie's gonna be awesome and yes it is so if everybody anybody out there's already seen it let us know what you think hit us up on our facebook page and let us know. Say, it was awesome. Or yeah. tell us, I didn't really like it, Sean.
1: Of course, you know, being brothers, we know that we, Superman is a big, deep bond for the two of us. So I'm, I've really enjoyed talking about Superman with you.
2: I really enjoyed listening to you talk about Superman. Yeah, I did a lot of talking. yes, but A lot. lot. You, did a mo- you did all of the talking. I appreciate it. I was the comic relief here and there, but you really just schooled us all on
0: Superman. Yeah,
2: well, and I, I appreciated it because there are certain things I didn't know. I learned some new stuff today. So,
1: I'm glad we did this, and share with us your opinions. What's your favorite Superman movie? And let us know in our listener feedback button on Nerdonomy.com, as Sean was mentioning earlier. And please, uh, if you want to subscribe to our podcasts, you can do so by listening to us on either the iTunes Store or Stitcher Radio. And you can also follow us on our Twitter account, generally, at Nerdonomy, or at my personal one, at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Mo. that's S-E-A-N-M-O. And uh, give us some listener feedback, or please... Give us a donation so we can get a freaking air conditioner. It's getting hot and humid in here and a little uncomfortable. It'd be nice if we could.
2: Yeah, there's actually condensation on the camera over Skype. I can see it. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. Anyway, guys, tune in next time.
1: Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. See
2: ya. And roll credits.
1: And now, movie quotes you should not say during sex. Uh, Up,
4: up, and away!